the best part about coaching, in my opinion, is that your relationships kind of start once your guys are done playing for you in high school. And now, like, the most fun I have is getting the text message from a guy that's playing in college. Hey, you were right about this. You were wrong about this. I need help on this. Um, and that relationship just kind of keeps going and, and kind of grows from there. So that four years is just kind of the starting point. There's a guy sitting there like, I'm going to be, you know, playing video games in a dorm room, not caring about this in two years. So like, this has to be fun today. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the High School Coaches Club. I'm your host, Max Price. Thank you so much for joining me as we feature our first guest from the great state of New Jersey here in episode 58, Mike Murray. As you're settling in to listen to an awesome conversation, whether you're on a lawnmower, flying home from the ABCA in Chicago, stuck in traffic, working out, or whatever it is that you're doing, just know that I appreciate you so much for being part of the club. This thing is really really precious to me and I'm just so thankful that of all the things you could listen to right now or read right now or do right now, you've chosen this. So seriously, thank you. And a huge thank you to Will and the gang over at Netting Pros for sponsoring the High School Coaches Club. I know I say it a lot, but it can't be said enough. Will Miner is one of the biggest supporters of coaches anywhere in this country. I can't thank him and Netting Pros enough for what they do for us. In addition to the design aspect of facility improvement, netting professionals specialize in the fabrication and installation of custom netting, digital graphic wall padding, windscreen turf, turf protectors, benches, cubbies, and so much more. Obviously, baseball and softball are huge markets for netting pros, but they have customers of football, soccer, lacrosse, track and field golf courses, probably even badminton, <laughs> just about any sport you can imagine. They are truly making facilities better all across America, providing high quality products and services to recreational, college, professional, and of course, high school facilities, fields, courses, and stadiums throughout the country. You can contact them today by calling 844-620-2707, emailing info at nettingpros.com, visiting their website, nettingpros.com, or by checking them out on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn for all their latest products and projects. They're improving programs one facility at a time. This podcast is also sponsored by Driveline Plus. High school coaching is about effectively identifying and communicating what athletes need to do to improve. Driveline Plus is a growing and ever-changing library of the best information on baseball player development. Members will find how-tos on different baseball technology and the latest research findings from Driveline's lab, along with inside access to Driveline trainers to make sure you can effectively coach your team. Plus, members also get the best discounts that you can find on Driveline training gear. Listeners of this podcast can get $25 off their first year of Driveline Plus by using the coupon code HSCC. That's the letters HSCC for $25 off your first year of Driveline Plus. Go to drivelinebaseball.com slash plus to learn more. You can also find the link down in the show notes. As a Plus member myself for a number of years, I can't recommend it enough. In fact, maybe a week or so ago, I placed an order for somewhere around 20 dozen of Driveline's good enough practice baseballs. They're a lifesaver for our program. In this episode, I'm joined by the head baseball coach and athletic director of St. Joseph High School in New Jersey, Mike Murray. As you know, I grew up and currently coach in Salem, Oregon. A former coach in our league, Marco Tavera, reached out to me about a month or so ago and helped connect me to Mike Murray, who played professionally for the San Francisco Giants organization, spending a couple of seasons right here in Salem, playing for the then single-A affiliate for the Giants, the Salem-Kaiser Volcanoes. I saw him play back then, and now, 10 years later, I'm honored to have him right here on the High School Coaches Club podcast. So let's do it. Let's dive in. It's episode 59 with Mike Murray. All right, I'm joined by Mike Murray. Thanks for being on the show with me. Thanks for having me, Max. Appreciate it. Yeah, I'm, I'm definitely excited to have you here. Um, you know, you you played professionally in the in the San Francisco Giants organization. And from where I'm sitting right now, I'm about a five-minute drive from uh, where you played your minor league ball at the, the Salem-Kaiser Volcanoes and um, spent a couple of years there, I'm sure, just based on <laughs> where I was in college and everything and coming home for summers. I'm absolutely sure that I watched you play there. Uh, if not both years, at least one of those years. And and then the saddest part here is in the last year or two, they were one of those 42 teams that Major League Baseball decided to cut. Um, and so there's no more minor league baseball near me anymore. Sad. It, very sad. I had two great summers out there um, in Salem-Kaiser. I was lucky enough to play for Tom Treblehorn, who was you know a big league manager of the year at some point. He was awesome. Um, 
for me being, you know, we're sitting about 3000 miles apart with me in Jersey. So the Northwest league was about as, uh, as far from home as you can get. And, <laughs> no and but, but, you know, for, for me and kind of just an, an early message of kind of what baseball can give to you is, you know, an opportunity to play, to play baseball in, you know, Spokane, Washington and Vancouver and, and Salem and Eugene and, and all those places. So it was great for me. Um, you know, that was kind of what you hope for as a baseball player. Hey, send me somewhere I'll, you know, I'm not from to, to go see great cities and those different things. But yeah, I had a great, I had a great experience out there. Um, my host family, the Watsons, he was our team chaplain. Uh, they had, uh, they had three boys of their own, my host dad and four of us boys. So, you know, God bless Sarah Watson who had eight boys living in her house for, for those couple summers, but we had a great time. I'm hoping that Busick court is still a thing out there. It was my favorite breakfast spot out there, but yeah, it was awesome. Yeah, man, it, it, and they, they, you know, they obviously were one of the teams that got disbanded. But for for a long time, I, I mean, I spent a ton of time at that ballpark, and it was it was really cool. And I know a lot of teams do this, but Salem Kaiser was really deep into it. Is that they would do what you're talking about, where you know, pretty much every single pro player who came through there would have a host family, just you know, someone, <laughs> just some moms and dads who wanted to kind of host a, a minor league baseball player, and and feed him and <laughs> deal with him and uh it was kind of a cool program yeah it was um yeah we have wonderful families out there um you know actually one of the host families that Tavares connected you and i um mm -hmm. it was really nice to get to know them and you know people 10 years later you're still keeping in touch with which is great um so yeah sad, sad to see all that go down i know they were doing the the mavericks league or whatever it was we're yeah. trying to follow it a little bit with jerry um i don't know if roof man still makes appearances out there but it was <laughs> you know you had the very minor league uh feel with with the mask guy um they did a great job with uh the fourth of july stuff you know honoring the veterans there was a, there was a lot of really cool things that that we did out there so uh, it was a lot of fun yeah they're they're trying real hard to hold on to it but it's it's a it's definitely an uphill battle when you're when you go independent you're trying to build it yourself but uh, man sure. you come from an athletic family you know your, your dad played in the white Sox organization your sister played softball at university of maryland uh, obviously you played professional baseball your brother got into professional baseball with the twins like what was what was life like growing up yeah i mean that that was it i mean i tell it to my players that i coach now all the time you know baseball was kind of our sanctuary it's what we did what we did as a family you know my dad was played division three uh baseball locally here at Kane university which um has been a national level division three team you know after he was there i'm not sure it was that when he was there but um uh, had an opportunity to get drafted you know just kind of a local kid that didn't really know what was going on so um he kind of taught my brother my sister myself kind of you know from his kind of just experiences kind of being overwhelmed in the minor league system and being a local kid um he was a right-handed hitter that couldn't hit sliders great and didn't really have a position in the minor league. So he made my brother, my sister, and I all catchers at a very young age and taught me how to hit left-handed and tried to give me an advantage on those type of things. Um, but, yeah, that's what we did. Like, you know, our, our family, like if something if something was going on in life, we went and hit and just went to a field. And it was always nice having a couple other people that that will shag and go go chase after your, your couple rounds of BP. Um but yeah, following, following them was great. You know, as much fun as I had playing, I really enjoyed following my sister's career and my brother's career. Uh, he won a couple ACC titles at Georgia Tech and then had an opportunity to go uh, get drafted by the Twins and play with the Brewers as well. So uh, moved around a lot. And it's just, you know what, getting to share really cool experiences with your family, with, you know, made baseball, softball very fun. Take it back to high school for you. So you, you're from New Jersey. You went to Westfield High School, graduated in 2006. Were you one of those kids, you know, you're talking about coming from a baseball family. Did you come in as a freshman as a, as a pretty good ball player? Was it, was it an uphill battle for you? Like what was your high school experience like sports wise? Um, it was, it, it was really both. Um, I did have an opportunity. I played four years of RC baseball and as a hitter, I was ready. I hit third for a hundred straight games as a high school hitter and, and <laughs> stepped crazy. in and I stepped in and could do it. I, I was advanced at that skill. Um, but you know, I was a catcher and man, as a freshman on varsity, did I screw up a lot of things? I was throwing <laughs> balls into right center field and, and, you know, I like, I had a lot of work to do there. I, fortunately, I, I played for a, a legendary coach out here, our county's all time wins leader, Bob Brewster. He actually just retired from coaching last year uh, after coaching a thousand games and 38 seasons and 15 county title. He's fantastic. And, um, I tell my players now and coaches that I deal with, the best thing he did for me was give me that opportunity to screw up when I was young. Like he was very patient with me when, you know, he kind of saw that, Hey, this guy's going to be good. Once he figures out how to stop, you know, trying to backpick guys in 10 run games and throwing the ball down the right field line <laughs> and doing all the things I did. Um, 
So, yeah, it was both. I, our high school kind of worked out where when I was in eighth grade, a big group of guys flushed out on a really good team. So it gave a couple of us young guys an opportunity to step in as freshmen. And uh, the advantage there was by the time I was a junior, senior, I felt like kind of a grizzled high school veteran where you played a lot of games and had a lot of at-bats. So um, hopefully the defense caught up a little bit. But um, a great experience playing there um, helped kind of shape how I kind of coach now and, and kind of the fun I had playing high school baseball. Um Tell people all the time, playing high school baseball is as much fun as playing in an ACC championship. I had an opportunity to play on Cape Cod. I had an opportunity to play in pro ball. Like, they're all wonderful experiences, but like, in trying to get players to kind of stay in the now and be like, this is just as much fun as, you know, hitting a home run in pro ball. It's just a different experience. But that experience too, probably, I'm sure as a coach now, you've, you've had players that, and I, and I have as well, where you get a team together for, you know, a, a specific year and, you know, going into it, you might start a kid who's probably, I don't know if not ready is the right word, but he's just, you you, you know, going in that you're going to take some lumps with him. But like you talked about, you know, the potential, you know, he's going to be good. And, you know, sometimes you just have to give a kid a full season, maybe even as a freshman where you're, he's going to screw up a little bit. And you just kind of go with that because, you know, the long term payoff is is going to be there. Yeah. And I mean, maybe I oversimplify it, but like, you know, we have we have a great county tournament where we are and then our state tournament and, and I kind of feel like everything up to those two is just learning learning about our team learning about ourselves and trying to find that adversity where guys can go through um you, you have to face it I don't want the first time that our guys have adversity to be in game 25 in a county or state tournament I want them to feel like they were pushed and challenged kind of up to that point um you can learn a lot from it um I don't know how I don't know how many games you guys play out in the high school season out there. We have about twenty five in a regular season, and then our yeah, tournament twenty six. Yeah, yeah. So it, it's not the same as a college or minor league season where you're kind of just rolling out there five or six days a week. So it, it's kind of I, I always find the psychology is a little interesting in that you know it's more almost like a football season in high school where you got to get up for every game. Whereas in the minors or college ball, you're like, yeah, we're just kind of going to have this four or five game stretch where we just kind of roll it out there and adjust on the fly. So. Um, that's really important for our guys. And yeah, the young guys, especially like uh, you got to learn to laugh at yourself and grow from your mistakes. Cause you know, we're all going to kind of do them. <laughs> no kidding. So I, I, I want to know how you got into high school coaching because I, yeah, everybody's path is a little bit different. Obviously yours is, is quite different as well. Just to check on you. I, I obviously looked you up and I'm looking at your, your Salem Kaiser stats, your minor league baseball stats, and I'm looking at a guy who, like on paper, I'm like, this guy should have been playing more. Like you, you in your two years, and not to you know <laughs> float your yeah. boat too much, but in your two years, you hit 331 with eight bombs. You only struck out 52 times in 382 plate appearances. You were at a Northwest League All Star. You were first team All League guy. And your your second year, it's not like you had a you were really good, and then your second year you struggled. You were hitting 326. So how did you go from there to then getting into coaching high school baseball? Like where how what was that path like from from one spot to the next? Yeah, so I mean, really honest kind of self assessment and talking with with Coach Treblehorn and other guys in the organization. So essentially, I had one big league skill. Like I have, I had no doubt I could have been a major league hitter. Uh, just like we were talking about in my high school experience, I could really do it at a high level. I could hit. Um, you know, most of my experience, my second year in Salem Kaiser was DH and more than catching, um, you, you know, Buster Posey, notwithstanding, maybe a little <laughs> bit better baseball player than maybe. me, but other guys in the organization as well. Um, and you know what, I, I'm, I'm 5'11", I'm not 6'3", I, I didn't really have first base or outfield athleticism as an option. So, you know, I had those couple good years. I think I was, you know, third or fourth for the Northwest League batting title that year. Um, and, you know, had those conversations internally with the Giants organization that, hey, we, we like you enough to not release you, but, you know, we don't really see you as a big leaguer playing defense somewhere. So um, kind of felt good about, hey, I'm probably not going to be a big leaguer because I probably can't throw it or run well enough to do a different position and, and you know, kind of just had to self-reflect on, yeah, this is it's time. So when I got done playing, I, I had the itch to stay in it. I actually interned for a sports agency and then uh, headed over to the commissioner's office and labor relations, thought I'd stay in baseball in some capacity. Um, at the same time, I was doing lessons and, and running a club program. Uh, my dad had retired and was running a sportsplex out here in New Jersey. Um, he ended up, at, we actually, it was eight years ago yesterday, he passed away suddenly, and I kind of got thrust into um, running, running that club program. And then that just kind of, you know, I sat down and thought it was like, you know, baseball kind of connected our family. My dad was like, you know what, 
I'd like to give high school coaching a shot. I had the itch. I was training some of these club guys and uh, St. Joe's job, a parochial school here in Jersey opened up, uh, had trained some of those guys, applied for it. And uh, rest is kind of history. Um, it, you know, it has continued to connect me to, to my dad, our family. And, and it's fun getting to kind of put guys on that path and hopefully have the same kind of nice experiences playing baseball that, you know, myself and my family has gotten. Yeah, it's a neat story, and and, and um, condolences to you and your family. I know loss is never easy, but um, kind of a cool experience for you, though, on the on the other side of it, of being able to use baseball as a way to stay connected to um, almost like your roots, essentially, right? Going back to sure. your own childhood of just of just being a person who can kind of provide that same structure for for other families and other kids and whatnot. Um, so yeah, so St. Joseph High School, that's where we are. Can you kind of uh, give us, and I have, I know almost nothing about it other than that it's in New Jersey. Yeah. Um, so for people like me, can you just give a rundown of what St. Joseph is, is, is like? Yep, sure. So um, we exist in like, I guess what's the mythical central New Jersey, like people kind of argue if central New Jersey actually exists, um, but we're kind of right there in the middle of the state. Um from from a baseball landscape, really good baseball state. But if you go down to like South Jersey by Philadelphia, you have like where Mike Trout is from um, and, and that kind of area of, of South Jersey baseball. Um, in North Jersey, we have a bunch of really high level uh, parochials, Don Bosco Prep, Bergen Catholic, St. Joe's Montville, um, all turning out a lot of really high end players. Uh, we're in between there, um, non-public A school. Our school is a kind of a, known as a basketball a basketball school, Carl Anthony Towns, a Andrew Bynum, Jason Williams, all kind of rolled through our high school. So we've kind of been a basketball school, um, but c compete with uh, other non-public par parochial schools in our area. Um, really good league. Um, so yeah, we, we get to see pretty good baseball for being in the cold weather most of the spring, but uh, get to coach a nice group of kids. Uh, I have 10 kids on our roster committed to college to play this year. Um, we're kind of getting there, trying to kind of hit that next kind of step as one of the top five or 10 teams in our state. And uh, we get to compete uh, against a lot of really good teams. And then you're also the athletic director. So what's life like trying to balance being a head baseball coach and also the director of athletics? Yeah, um, I had an opportunity to add on AD duties uh, after my first year as baseball coach. The guy that hired me as baseball coach uh, thought thought I could be decent at it, um, got thrust into it. You definitely learn a lot. Um, I kind of try to keep that kind of coach's hat on at all times and just think about how you're kind of building programs and kind of what they need and, and how they need it. And you never kind of really stop being a coach. I think uh, I think that's probably the easiest way to go about it. You definitely deal with things that, and I was 28 when I became AD. So uh, you definitely started thinking about things that you didn't think about. Um, and I'll, I'll say this, I love going to a sporting event where I'm not responsible for the crowd <laughs> behavior or different things. It's nice to just go watch other people play and, and have no responsibility. But um, the, the best thing that happened there is um, I wasn't teaching in the building prior to that. So um, the best part about that opportunity was getting in the building every day where you get to see the athletes more often. They get to pop in your office. You get to know them a little bit, a, a, a deeper level outside of just the three months you get them during the baseball season. So yeah, that, that first year then as the head baseball coach, then you weren't in the building at all. So uh, when you first took over as the head baseball coach, what were some of your, your first steps? And then, and then really specifically, like, how did you try to build relationships with players? Because as you obviously know, being in the building, it's a lot easier to, you know, say hi to a kid in the hallway and talk to him in the hallway and have other conversations. But when you're not in the building, that, that aspect's kind of tough. Um, definitely tough. I took over, um, I got hired as coach in December. So we start kind of our preseason in March and then going into our spring. Um, uh, the, the coach that coached, uh, my predecessor, Steve Bucignano, he's a, he's a now coaches in college at Kane university where my dad played actually, uh, does a really good job. And he had, he had done a, a really good job with, with the St. Joe's program. Um, he actually just had uh, a 2014 grad of ours, Brandon Belak just made his major league debut last year, pitched, uh, pitch won a pennant this year with the Astros. So he played for coach Steve, you know, a couple of years prior to me taking over. So there was a really good foundation. Um, he did a great job of, they had a great program. They knew how to stretch. They were organized. They, they had a plan. Um, so it was really coming in and seeing how my style kind of complemented what kind of existed already. Um, I, I, I think I'm a player's coach. I, I kind of come at it from understanding how difficult a game it is to play from when I was a player. So, um, 
just tried to give guys an opportunity. The first thing I told my seniors is that there's no rebuilding years for high school baseball, right? Like we take over a job and, you know, you're trying to build a program and, and add elements over the years. You know, we brought in a, a championship game belt for the MVPs. We, we did Buffalo Wild Wings after big games, all these different things. But, um, you know, my message to the seniors was they were coming off, you know, a, a little bit under 500 year, I think the year before or two years before. So it's like there's no there's no rebuild to high school baseball like you're trying to get the most out of every senior class because that is their senior memories and what's going on um my first year there um we had actually a, a really high level pitcher that had transferred out the year prior um right before i got there so actually opened up an opportunity for a couple of our young sophomore pitchers to kind of emerge one of them ended up he's at lafayette now one of their weekend starters um so just gave those guys opportunities and kind of hit the ground running um and it was just a lot of fun. And then each year you're trying to build on it. And now I'm five, six years in where, you know, you've had a full cycle of players that are your own. And um, th that's really fun to kind of see a kid come in as a freshman and then leave. And then uh, the best part about coaching, in my opinion, is that your relationships kind of start once your guys are done playing for you in high school. And now, like, the most fun I have is getting the text message from a guy that's playing in college. Hey, you were right about this. You were wrong about this. I need help on this. Um, <laughs> and that relationship just kind of keeps going and, and kind of grows from there. So that four years is just kind of the starting point. Let's get into that real quick. Since you brought up, what's something that uh, a player has texted you about you getting wrong about, about college? <laughs> that, that, <laughs> that, that's a, that's a good point. Um, usually that's just maybe, maybe in conversations about when we're trying to find fit. I mean, you see it all over kind of baseball oh, yeah, Twitter sure. on the D ones versus D twos versus D threes and Juco and all these things. And, and it's really just kind of about finding that, that really good fit. Um, the, I think the, the thing I was told that I was right most about is I told our hitters all the time that like the bigger jump to college, isn't the pitching. Like you'll be able to handle the velocity and the pitching. It's that the defenders are so good. Like you mm -hmm. hit a ball in the gap. That's a high school double. And a guy's making a really easy play on it. Um, I had a couple of my hitters text me like, yeah, well, there's no way to get hits unless you hit the ball really hard. I was like, yep, that's, that's kind of <laughs> yeah. how it goes. That's hilarious. Yeah, man. It's, it's a, it's a different jump in you, you know, for one of the big goals, obviously for high school programs is of course we want our kids to, if, if they want to play college baseball, of course, or whatever sport it might be, you know, we want to help them find a home and find a place that they're going to be happy and they're going to enjoy. But um, for some kiddos that can be a big, it can be a big hit when you go from high school sports to college. It's just, it's a really different world and it's hard to explain it to kids properly because the, the difference in what you're allowed to do and, and, and what the other players are like. And all of a sudden you're going from being, you know, the 18 year old, like uh, boss of your, your campus to being this freshman kid who's playing with, you know, 22, maybe even 23 year old guys. 100%. And my personal experience, you know, I had an opportunity to play in college down at Wake Forest and like I stunk as a freshman. It was the first time that like I was a bad baseball player in my life. Um, you know, my junior and senior year playing high school baseball in New Jersey, I hit over 500 twice. So like baseball actually wasn't a game of failure for those two years mm. for me. It's like, Hey, I got to hit more often than not. Um, and then I hit 202 as a freshman at wake and about 130 at bats and like actually did some decent things throughout my, uh, freshman year there. But I had an 0 for eight in a game, an 18 inning game against Boston college, which was the closest to New Jersey we got. So it was like all 24 of my extended family came up to see me <laughs> go 0 for eight and get pinched by four out of the cleanup hole in the 18th inning. Um, but, and you know, I was trying to have that, my, my brother who played at Georgia Tech's five, exactly five years younger than me. Um, so I was trying to preparing him for that as he was transitioning to his freshman year at Georgia Tech. I'm like, Hey, these were the things I struggled with. I, I didn't kind of, you know, didn't kind of get off to the start. I wanted to kind of figured it out as a sophomore. And my brother went to Georgia Tech and had an 11 at bats as a freshman and kind of had the same experience where you're like, God, we didn't really get out of the gates strong here. But, um, I always use my brother as an example. He had 11 at bats as a freshman at Georgia Tech. Um, he was very comfortable with it. He's like, Mike, the catcher ahead of me was a third rounder and like a great player. Like I didn't deserve to play. And, I was kind of getting on him like, hey, you're going to transfer. You're going to look at these things. Like, no, nah, I feel good about where I'm at. I feel good about kind of the plan I have with the coaching staff. You know, he hung at, he hung in there, ended up being an all-ACC player, went in two ACC titles, captain of his team, hit 20 homers as a senior at Tech. Like, he was right. But, like, having that patience is something that I, I don't think we see with what goes on in the transfer portal and different things. And then there's times when transferring probably makes sense. And so it, it's very individual. And it's just trying to have those good conversations with your players and guide them as best you can. Well, you're talking a couple things, you know, earlier in the, the conversation, you brought up that, um, you know, you, you kind of the feeling that the regular season a lot, especially early on, is a lot of trying to just 
I guess almost provide opportunities for adversity for kids. And then just now mentioning the idea of, of making it to college and maybe, maybe not always being prepared for the amount of failure you're going to face after being maybe really good in high school. So from a, from a coaching standpoint, have you built in any structures or practice things or anything within your program to try to, uh, I don't know, for lack of better terms, try to help kids fail more often, I guess. Um, yeah, I mean, we try to do it. I mean, obviously the easiest way is through your scheduling. Uh, I mean, I try to schedule as aggressively as I possibly can to get them. Um, our league, you typically see two or three division one arms at the end of our conference tournament and our state tournament has some really high end parochial. So I'm trying to find eight or nine of those guys through the regular season where, um, you know, I'd, I'd rather go 16 and 12 playing the best 25 teams I can find than, you know, go 24 and two and be surprised when we see teams at that level, the game just moves at a different speed. Um, from a uh, from a organizational program perspective, it's really just trying to have those conversations with guys like, hey, you've got to be able to laugh at yourself. You got to be able to, like, you're going to strike out, you're going to make an error, you're going to throw a ball away. Like, we got to get past that and just understand, like, that's the worst thing that can happen on a baseball field. Like, it's not like it's not life and death. It's not this. This is a sanctuary, and it's how you learn to kind of deal with these things. Um, I think handling failure for our guys is probably the biggest thing. I've seen it a lot out of the the COVID pandemic where all of our kids feel like they've missed something, right? Like for the last 20 months, it's kind of been grinding it out. Um, we missed a full season in 2020 here in Jersey. And, and it's just like, everybody's trying to make up for that. And they, I, I see the stress kind of the stress level on kids that are, are hoping to play in college. And even the kids that are just trying to enjoy baseball, like they haven't gotten to do it. So um, we just talk about those things a lot. We try to get them comfortable. We try to not give them the out. It's not the umpire's fault. It's not somebody else's fault. Like we got to go be like, hyper accountable for, for kind of what's out there. Um, and I feel like the guys that can kind of take a breath and laugh at themselves and be like, yeah, man, I threw a ball 15 feet over the first baseman's head. Let me take a deep breath and get the next one. Um, so we just try to, we try to have failure be okay. And then, you know, try to work from there and to do it less. Well, yeah, that's the ultimate goal, right? Is yeah. to, to get to the point where you you fail less. But yeah. uh, a really important lesson in there—it's kind of the, the idea of focusing on the process and being able to detach from the results. Because so oftentimes, I mean, you know, as a high school kid, and then as as a coach of high school kids uh, and humans in general, honestly, uh, when we mess up um, in front of other people there's that layer of embarrassment that for yep. a lot of us, it's really hard to get past. And um, man, you're talking about like trying to help kids get through that. Like that's a big part of it is just helping them understand what you're saying is that if you can be able to detach and laugh at yourself or just kind of be like, yeah, that's fine. Deep breath. Let's keep going. Um, it's not just a, it's not just a baseball skill or a, or a sports skill, right? It's a, it's a huge life thing for these kids to be able to have forever. There's, um, I actually, I show them when we do our preseason meeting, I put up a, like a, a PowerPoint slide, two different slides. Um, and it's that they're, they're both me. They're both my career. And I have on, on the left side, you know, Cape Cod league, all-star Northwest league, all-star high school, all American college scholarship to Wake Forest, all the good things that I've, that I've been fortunate enough to have in my career. And then I have this stuff on the other side that like, you know, I got sent home as a temp on Cape Cod after my sophomore year, after one game playing terrible. I, you know, I, I had a terrible freshman year. I, I screwed these things up. I got, you know, I didn't make it to the major leagues. Uh, I had all these things and, and I just put it nameless there. And like, that's the same guy. That's one career. Like there's, you know, to get to all the good stuff, there's going to be a lot of other stuff you kind of have to work through and go through. And that's just kind of part of that process. And I think that's, that's the biggest thing I try to get our kids. Like tell guys all the way, being a good player doesn't make you a good coach. The only thing I try to use from my playing experience is that, Hey, I, I messed up a lot of I messed up a lot of stuff, and I'm still here having fun being around a baseball field. Like you got to be okay with that. Yeah, it's an important thing for kids to understand too, especially in, in today's world where um, so much of what we see on uh, you know on TV and on you know on on our phones and stuff, it's all the good stuff, and it, most of us aren't jumping on our phones like tweeting out like, "Look at how I failed today," right? And so <laughs> you just kind of it just perpetuates itself, and and the ability to take a step back and help kids understand that is is really awesome. So I wanted to hear a couple of things, you know, I want to go back. You mentioned earlier that um, just celebration wise, kind of some fun things. It sounds like you do with your team. Take me back to the belt that you mentioned earlier. How'd that come about? What do you guys use it for? 
Yeah. So we went, um, I actually, I, I don't know where I found the guy online, but he did like a really high end, like old school, Brett, the Hitman heart, WWE <laughs> belt, um, yes. which was, which was really good. We actually, I was an AD at the time. So maybe now I would, would have had a, enough pull to get them to be able to wear it the next day in school. But, um, just did it, did it for a game MVP, um, you know, coming out of a win, whatever we were able to do, um, that day, it was, you know, just an opportunity to, to spread it around, try to get it to different guys. Um, um, cause, cause I think when you're trying to build like a championship team, like the message is that it's going to take your entire roster. It's not just going to be your three or four all County guys or the next level guy. Um, my first year we had, um, we had a guy two minutes before a start uh, get told, hey, the guy we were going to start had some arm trouble. You got to go warm up and pitch. He was in sneakers. He had no idea what was going on. Went out and threw a 57 pitch complete game, just pouring in strikes all day. And, you know, you're like, here's the belt. And like, you know, you probably just got us a one seed in the county tournament because you were kind of ready to go and just, you know, kind of answered the bell. So um, just try to find find ways to reward guys when when they do a good job and, you know, build a little bit of that culture piece as as you go. What else do you do? So, I mean, you mentioned just a second ago the idea of, you know, obviously, as we all know, our, our roster is so much more than just the, the handful at the top. And so, um, obviously, you know, as a coach, a lot of our job is to try to pull up the other guys and make them a little bit better. And if everybody gets a little bit better, we're going to be way better as a team. But also, you, you get the kids who sometimes, you know, kind of going into the season, they're not going to play a whole lot. And... Um, those guys can make or break a team too, right? So you can have a kid if he's if he happens to be on the bench quite a bit um, and is negative about it or otherwise isn't really positive, uh, you know, person pouring in everybody else that can kind of pull everybody down. Do you have anything that you do with your program to try to uh, what's the right word? Maybe like engage those kids. Um, we, we do. I think uh, I think we try to do it through kind of our practice plan, right? We we try to create a lot of competitions in practice where all those guys are engaged and working in groups together. Um, I, I try to speak as openly and honestly about those things. You know, I it's always a challenge to my starters. Um, I, I'll tell them, you know, I'll tell the bench guy. We'll talk to the bench guys about, hey, this is your role. This is what you can do. Um, you know, a, a lot of times in baseball, the way you grow your role is, you know, being good at, at an ability to get a bunt down, an ability to be a good base runner, to to read a ball in the dirt, like um, you know, to to be prepared after you know, w- you know, you coaching in Oregon, me coaching in New Jersey, we don't necessarily sit there in eighty two degree weather every day that we're coaching. So, <laughs> no, so I no tell sir. our I tell our kids all the time, like you're going to be sitting there in a forty two sideways wind rain day in New Jersey, and I'm going to ask you to pinch hit in the seventh inning in a big spot, like. Uh, you know, it can show me a lot about how you prepare and what you do. But I also challenge our starters to say, guys, like we're a pretty good team. Go out there and have good energy early in a game so we can get up six or seven runs and we can get three or four guys that are there supporting you every day at practice into games. So that becomes a really collective effort. Um, I've never had a guy in five years play for me that doesn't get it. It doesn't get in at bat, doesn't get into certain situations just because I think you earn that through showing up at practice every day and working. Um, and it's just, uh, I tell our guys all the time, you know, you win a, you win a county or state title, you know, all 25 of you are in a picture. It's not just going to be your six best players, right? It's going to, it's going to be about um, doing something and accomplishing something as a group. I tell my guys flat out, like guys, there's, there's guys on this team that, that play way less innings that I like more as a person that, that are really good kids that are, that are really like, you know, <laughs> yeah. like I'd rather have yeah. dinner with that guy than you, but you just happen to throw 92 and you're pitching. Um so we have those conversations and just trying to trying to make it very clear to the guys that that have those more kind of workmanlike roles and smaller roles on your team that like, hey, it's very important. And, and one of the biggest things I think is that um, playing time starts to make guys kind of like they think it's a reflection of their character or, right. you know, yeah. I don't want kids getting to, like you shouldn't be demoralized if you if you're a really good kid that works hard that shows up and does what he's supposed to do. Like they need to hear that and kind of get that reinforced as much as they can. No, oh, I love it. It makes so much sense too. Cause you're right. I think a lot of times as, as, as high school kids, we, Oh man, they, when they don't get in, you can kind of see, um, maybe not even get in, but even if they, if they get in and don't, maybe they get one opportunity, it doesn't go well. And you can just see sometimes that, um, that feeling of, of just, I don't know if dejection is the right word, but they just it just they, it just doesn't sit well with them. And you can start to see that 
the opportunity for that to kind of spiral out of control. And so I think what you're saying is really important, this ability to communicate as coaches and not be afraid of going and sitting next to that guy and having that conversation with him. It's really important. And I think it, I think there's a lot of value of doing it at the moment or at least that day. And then sometimes, you know, and you talk about being in the building, sometimes there's a part of you that knows that for a certain kid, maybe I got to wait till tomorrow to do this and I can pull them aside in the hallway or something like that. And I think I think it leads into something else that, that about leaning on your staff and having a good staff around you because you know I found as head coach you know there's guys that are mad at you because you're the guy that fills out the lineup and isn't putting them in there. I'm fortunate I, I coach with a group of a great group of guys that you know, I have an assistant coach that's really good at this stuff and I'll go up to him and be like, hey, we're not putting this kid in the lineup. Can you just go grab him and tell him why mm-hmm. we're doing it and what we're thinking? Um, and I think that's important to have different personalities that, that can get to a kid because, you know, some kids are going to feel a lot more comfortable with me. Others are going to feel comfortable going to our pitching guy or Definitely. one of our assistants. So um, it, it's kind of empowering your staff to kind of to kind of help you with that, especially as you hope to grow a program and have, you know, 60, 65 kids in your three levels of a program, which we have here. It's like, you know, make sure we're checking in on those guys and letting our staff kind of help out with it. Well, that's a great point, a really great point, because I think so oftentimes as, as the head coach, like you're saying, um, I don't sometimes it seems like the assistant coaches get to have a better relationship with the players, not all of them. But a lot of the times, and yeah, just it's just the again, it's just that's part of it, right? Like we write yeah. the lineups, and you kind of have to be accountable for the decision. So you just have to, you know, sometimes it's easier for parents to have those conversations with assistant coaches for players. It's just it's good to have those additional layers. How'd you go about building your staff? Because I think that's a big a challenge for a lot of high school coaches. Is if we could just you know get a piece of paper out and write down our ideal staff, we'd all have amazing coaching staffs. But it's a lot harder to go out and find actual human beings that can come and coach and be part of your program. So, what was your strategy like trying to build a staff that you could trust and that you thought would be good with kids? Yeah, that was that was good. So, I mean, I was fortunate coming out of like the club baseball and the indoor academy type thing where I where I had some guys that I trusted from, you know, prior to being a high school coach. Then it's just figuring out guys that can logistically do it. You know, St. Joe's gets mm-hmm. out of 210 a little bit earlier than public school. So, you know, it kind of rolls out some public school coaches from different districts that can't get there on time. Um, you have guys that um you have guys that work with academies or club programs that don't necessarily want to hop into high school coaching because you know, New Jersey restricts when we can work with players in the off season, different mm-hmm. things. So that can't mm-hmm. eat into their business. Um, so for me, I, I was lucky. Found some guys with with some different backgrounds. Um, my varsity system for the last six years is um, is ha- has two daughters that played college, college soccer and went through. And he loves baseball and has been with me and our club organization for the last six years. Um, oh, we have a pitching coach, Ralph Citarella, that pitched in the big leagues. Um, he, he does. He, he shows up because he loves it. I have another assistant, Tommy Hennessy, who uh, was my freshman coach for a couple of years and, and found his way to our staff. Um, my freshman coach, Craig Goldberg, stayed in place the last five years. Um, Matt Downey came on as our JV coach. Um, all different, a little bit different personalities. You know, my first two years on staff, I was the youngest of our five coaches, which is weird. Um, yeah. but, but, but such, but such an advantage to just get, um, different experience, you know, to have a guy on staff that's, you know, been through kind of the recruiting process with his own kids, um, and empower these guys that, that know a lot of baseball to do it and, and to just delegate as much as you can and not always kind of want to be, uh, cannibalizing the message. You have to kind of allow that to be, um, you know, set a good structure and then kind of let them roll. But, um, we have a good group of guys and what we tell our kids all the time is like our favorite three months is that group getting to be around each other. So um, the high school baseball season for us and like most people, it's a hundred days. Like if you play in the state final from your first scrimmage, it's a hundred days. So it's a short amount of time you get to build something in that culture piece. So um, have really been lucky there. What have you guys done as far as um, team building or community service or leadership building or anything like that where you're able to get the group together and do do something kind of cool yeah we've, we we try to make that a big part of what we do we actually have um we have a coach uh, one of our coaches um his sister-in-law um is a teacher at a local special needs school we do we do a couple days with them every year where they come down and just kind of do a, a three or four hour um, field day with with our kids um we take them through a bunch of different sports kind of give that good perspective to our kids and work with them they do a wonderful job with it um we have a great event here in new jersey every year the autism awareness challenge that is run by mike garlotti who's a, a 
a scouting supervisor with the Colorado Rockies, owns a, a baseball school um, locally here. Um, fantastic event. He's running for almost two decades now. Um, opportunity. He does a fundraising piece through it. He does kind of an awareness kickoff um, dinner. Um, really good event. Um, engages all of our kids. Um, we try to put them through the fundraising piece to that. Um, through through our kind of parochial Catholic school, we have some opportunities to get them into some campus ministry type programs and different things. Um, outside of that, the other the other piece that we've done on the leadership and development. Um, Three years ago, we had an opportunity to bring in Mike Huber, uh, sports uh, sports performance, mental performance coach, um, has mm-hmm. been really, uh, he runs, I'll give him a quick plug, the Freshman Foundation podcast, kind of that transition to high school to college. Um, he, But he was great working with our guys one-on-one and how you kind of build leadership roles and what we, and that's becoming such a big part of uh uh, of kind of the development of players um long ago when i was with the giants we had the habitudes program and we were starting to kind of uh darren mcmains was starting to turn the page on that kind of mental performance with the giants um so that was all coming and now we're just trying to bring that in to again get get guys just kind of with that proper perspective to you know what baseball can teach you and kind of where it fits in kind of real life that's awesome what are the really cool things that came about through um I guess one of the very few things that was really cool that came about through all the pandemic and everything and all of us getting shut down was that, you know, that momentary pause as coaches where we were able to kind of for the first time probably in all of our careers, just like we literally had nothing to do in terms of actually coaching kids at our, you know, at our, at our high school. And so a lot of us obviously connected to different people over, over the internet, over zoom and, and meeting all sorts of different people. And I think that that time also really like pushed the mental, the mental side of baseball and of, of all, and of all sports, but especially baseball, I think it pushed it forward probably, uh, probably 10 years faster than it maybe would have, because I think a lot of people started understanding like how important the mental side of it was yeah. not just because of the pandemic and what kids were going through, but just like, you know, you, we can teach a kid all we want about how to, you know, you know, round first base or take a lead or put a bunt down. But, you know, ultimately our job as human beings is to help these kids become better humans. And if we can do that and make them also better at baseball at the same time, like what a win-win for everybody. 100%. Couldn't, couldn't agree more on that. And, and I mean, I, I always say, you know, we try to always make it about the kids and, and the pandemic definitely highlighted that and you feel bad about kids missing games. But man, I missed it as much coaching. It just it threw off mm-hmm. the entire cadence of a year. You're like, man, I'm supposed to be out of field now. You, you know, I was looking at my, you know, my calendar and you're like, man, I should be playing the first round of a county tournament here. And I'm, <laughs> yeah. you know, sitting watching our 12,000 of Hulu and you're just, you're not, <laughs> Tiger not much else to do. right. Yeah. Yeah. There's not <laughs> much else going on. Oh man. Yeah. It was, it was bizarre, but I think, it, I think it really helped in terms of uh, uh, coaches maybe pressing the pause button and trying to realign what's important in their programs and everything like that. Um, autism awareness. I mean, that thing's that I, I looked into that a little bit. I think it's just incredible. I think it'd be awesome if, if different uh, man, if, if every school, if every high school kid could be part of something like that, I think it would really help them because um, what you're talking about, you've mentioned the word a few times, but that idea of perspective, I think it's really important for, for everybody. Again, humans, it's a human thing. I keep yeah. saying that, but uh, yeah. for kids, especially too, especially at the high school level, like getting that perspective of what life outside of your own little bubble is actually like and can be like for different people. 100%. And like, I, I was like the textbook example of like the only identity I had as a high school kid was Mike Murray, really good baseball player. And like, <laughs> right. and like I got, I, I like, once I figured that out later in my playing career when I was in college that, you know, like you can, you can go laugh and, and go to a movie after an O for four and still like live a life and take it seriously. Um, that's critically important. So, so we try to kind of balance it. Like you can, you can, baseball should be important. You should work really hard at it. It should be all the things that as coaches, we kind of want, want it to be. Um, but we also kind of need to know what it isn't and kind of draw those lines and allow guys to kind of enjoy kind of both of those aspects. I think, uh, the social media piece has made almost nobody comfortable with where they're at. They're always worried about who's recruiting 2027s and 2028. Like just enjoy being around your friends and being around a game. It goes very fast. Um, you know, I tell my kids all the time, I, I got to play a lot of baseball. I got to play, you know, a couple seasons of professional baseball. I was still done playing baseball when I was 24. And then I was like, okay, now what do I do for the next 60 years? Yeah. Um, so you have to, so it's critically important. I mean, the pandemic, other things have just kind of highlighted that. 
just thinking like self-reflection wise, um, you know, just being able to, uh, like we talked about the pandemic, having all this extra time. And, and then obviously now you're back into it, of course, and, and uh, the pandemic's not over, but, you know, it, we're back to essentially getting to have normal high school times essentially uh and certainly normal seasons we're very excited to get to have ours this upcoming year so what you know you've had this time to reflect a little bit i'm sure um if you could go back and you go back to like you as as a as a youngster taking over in 26 a youngster i guess we're both young too but going back as a youngster and taking over the st joe's program back in 2016 uh, like what's something you didn't know that you that you know now that you feel uh, like you're you're in a much better position as a coach as somebody who can impact people um, I, I think the biggest thing that I learned and, and like I mentioned er, er, earlier in the conversation, like uh, I do have a lot of guys, I'm very proud of the fact that we've put in, you know, 29, 30 guys in college baseball in yeah. the last five or six years that I've coached. But I, I think what I learned is that I was coming from the prism of, Hey, I use baseball to help me get into college. And I got to play pro ball and I did all this. Um, I, I also, in the last couple of years, I've, I've been trying to be very cognizant of that, like our goal as coaches is to have kind of two tracks running at the same time in your program of, yeah, I, I want to be, I want to be on top of the guys that want to keep doing this at the next level. And I think it's important to prepare them for college. But I, I also, I think I've done a better job lately of being cognizant of the kid that like, this is his last experience playing baseball and he just wants to enjoy his last couple of years of being with his high school classmates and playing and then talk about baseball fondly in the rear view mirror as he does whatever he does in college and beyond. Um, I think that's really important because I think sometimes the messaging can get lost when you're just harping on a, Hey, this isn't going to work at the division one level. This isn't going to work in college. You're going to have to learn this. You're going to have to do this. There's a guy sitting there like, I'm going to be, you know, playing video games in a dorm room, not caring about this in two years. So like, (laughs) this has to be fun today. Um, So I've been trying to kind of balance those two things. And, and um, I I think, I think most kids just kind of get, Hey, if I'm working toward a common goal with my teammates, I'm getting better at something, but kind of just having that understanding that not every kid is going to be as, you know, locked in and spend their whole life on baseball like I have. Um, so it's trying to understand those, the, the different perspectives and viewpoints that you have kind of sitting in your dugout at any given time. I came to a similar realization this past year. We had, we got to play, uh, it's like a 15 game season this past spring and that was it. There's no playoffs or anything like that. You just, mm. just kind of like 15 games go play. It was kind of weird because when you take away the like, playoffs or the league championship part of it like all of a sudden you're just playing to play and it, a lot of us on our in our little team in our program like we really struggled with that because it yep. was really it was really weird for us because we you got done with the game and you won or lost and you're like all right well let's go back to work tomorrow I guess and, and it was just really weird and yep. then on top of that I had a couple kids who one in particular his name was Connor uh, Connor Robostelli Robo is what we called him he um he had already been accepted into lineman school so he was going to head off to Idaho as soon as you know yep. he graduated to go become a lineman uh now he's down in Texas posting pictures every day of him <laughs> up on some uh, horrible weather just you know fixing lines but yep. um it was really interesting for me because it put talking about perspective again for me it put it in perspective for me of like yeah this this what we're doing today has to be it can be important and it can be hard and strenuous but it needs to ultimately there needs to be some fun in it yeah because if there's not like we're we're totally missing the boat on on why a lot of our kids are signing up to play our sport in the first place 100 percent. i think that i think that's a great example and i think you know that, that type of kid is, is what I, what I become more conscious of is like, you know what, the, you know, last playing experience, something that you can hang your hat on and say, this was really good. Um, that becomes very important. So I, I wanted to kind of finish this up by just kind of giving you one last chance at the mic. And I, you know, I don't know if, there, I mean, obviously there's tons of stuff we could have gone into that we didn't, we could have talked fundraising. We could have talked how you approach sack bunting or your leadoffs at first. <laughs> we could have talked about, uh, you know, building leadership, all that stuff. There's just, there's so much obviously that goes into coaching high school baseball that um, we can't get through in, in, you know, four hours yeah, of a podcast, sure. let alone, you know, one, but uh, just, if there's anything we missed or any important lessons or advice or just whatever you want to do, just kind of hey, hand the mic over to you one last time. No, I think I think that's it for me. Baseball's always been more about the the relationships and the different things. Um, that that's my hope out of this, right? Like I, I think as as you know, this will probably be put out on on baseball Twitter, which can be a very positive or negative thing. Um, I think overall, I just want you know 
every path, you know, any path can work for anybody as you're figuring all this out. And what you're kind of left with is kind of the relationships and the teammates you have. Um, and I think trying to take it as serious as we can, trying to be as advanced we can, but key, that, that perspective word is the word that I've always had. You know, I went to baseball after, after my parents got divorced, after my dad passed away, after I had bad things in real life, you know, not the candy store of, of a baseball field, but in real life, like it was a sanctuary. It was where I kind of, you know, had that peace and could just kind of unload and, and enjoy. Um, and that's still my message to all my kids and to all the coaches that it has to be that, I mean, everything else, I mean, everything else is times a hundred stressful these days. So you have to find that kind of joy in doing it. And, uh, you know, if your joy is trying to figure out a better bunt defense or, or how to get the most out of a first third play, like that's great. I mean, it really is, but we just want to keep that perspective and go. And uh, I mean, it's wonderful in the same, in the same token that, you know, we're connecting from 3000 miles away. Uh, Hopefully I'm back out there at some point to get the best hot dog on I five, um, <laughs> but uh, but uh, that's the that's the message that it's a, it's a really good game, um, and ultimately you know what you're left with it is um, is your memories and your experiences just connecting those two things. Mike Murray, head baseball coach, athletic director at St. Joe's. Really appreciate you uh, coming on with me, and, and especially around the holidays, and just um, just appreciate you and everything you're doing for kids and whatnot, and for coming on the show, and an extra appreciation for for you for playing for the Salem Kaiser Volcanoes. So uh, again, just really appreciate your time and, and having you on the show. Thank you. Yeah, Max, thank you so much. This was this was really great. I'm looking forward to following you and your guys out that way. It'll be a lot of fun. <laughs> Take care. Thanks. I'm sure you've all heard of the concept of six degrees of separation, but in the coaching world, especially the baseball community, it's more like two degrees. <laughs> I'm super thankful to Marco Tavera for connecting me to Mike Murray. And man, did he deliver what? Just a rock star doing it for all the right reasons. If you aren't signed up for the weekly newsletter or if you haven't picked up some High School Coaches Club stickers, you should definitely do so. Head on over to highschoolcoachesclub.com to get started. Don't forget to leave a rating or a review if you're listening on Apple Podcasts and hit that subscribe button wherever you're listening. Most importantly, though, if you found any value at all from this episode or any previous episode, please share this thing on social media to your followers, via email to your fellow coaches, or through the old-fashioned word of mouth. It doesn't matter how you do it. Just find a way to bring a few more listeners in who might benefit. That's how we all get better, and that's how we grow the club. Huge fist bump to Coach Murray for jumping on the call with me. Thanks again to Netting Pros and Driveline Plus for sponsoring the episode and to you for clicking that play button. If you have any recommendations for people who should be guests on the show, be sure to reach out to me, even if that recommendation is you. Follow the club on social media, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, at HS Coaches Club. You can follow me on Twitter at Mr. Max Price and can reach me via email, max at highschoolcoachesclub.com. All right, that's all I got. You're awesome. You matter. Thanks for all you do. And as Coach Lee would say, loving you.